0: Listening to the Derek Sante podcast, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. We just aim to keep the discussion above the average. Our guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host Derek Sante, and today we're kicking it with another individual with a great story. He also has some experience in the tech industry. You know, we're gonna we're gonna surface level kind of talk about his profession uh, during the daytime, and then, you know, we'll, we'll get into the tech stuff because that's really where we want to dive in a bit with the gentleman. It's also an honor to have the opportunity to speak with him. You know, he was introduced by an amazing friend of mine. And so without further ado, I'd I like to consider this brother to be my new acquaintance, the chief executive officer of Cuffed Incorporated, Jerome Miller. Welcome.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you.
0: Oh, man. So I've been kind of counting down the days for this, for this interview because I'm really trying to pick your brain about, <laughs> about your, your app and, and that side of you uh, and so forth. So I can't, I can't wait to get into that. What I usually do with each show is I open with a quote. So I'm going to share a quote with you, and I want you to kind of share with me what comes to mind when you hear it. All right. Okay. It reads, Equity isn't an idea, but a collective belief that only a civilized society understands through daily practice.
1: I feel that it rings true, but it's so, um, doesn't apply to the way of the mindset of most people in this world today, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's something so simple. Like that quote alone, it's so something so simple that should be practiced daily, but it's not at all, which is very, very sad. And also, uh um, Cause of a lot of the issues that the world is plagued
0: with. So, yeah, Yeah. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. So, we're going to dive into it. First, I want to know who Jerome is. Um, What's your background uh, culturally, uh, ethnicity wise, and and whatnot? Just give us a bit of who you are in a nutshell.
1: Uh, Yeah, so Jerome, I'm first generation Canadian. Both parents are Jamaican born and raised. Uh, so really my culture and values and upbringing is strictly from the, it's pretty much strictly from the Island. Um, so when I say that it kind of, it plays into why I'm in the profession that I'm in and and why in particular to the the tech, um, sector that I'm in, um, just everybody being for one another and helping one another. Just like, how coming from that background, everybody, everyone helped one, right? Uh, so grew up, grew up in Toronto, well uh, downtown for first uh, downstream area, Keelan Wilson, uh, and then moved from there up to Ennisville. I don't know if you know where that is, but <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> first. <laughs> that's a culture uh, for, shock in itself oh man <laughs> bro if I could tell you when when my pops told me that we're moving because we moved from uh, Keelan Wilson area to Thornhill and wow. when we moved to Thornhill that was a, a little bit of a culture shock within itself right and then for pops to come home and say okay we're going to be looking for a next place and then you jump on on the highway and at that at those times, nothing was built up on the four hundred highway right. in uh, Ontario, right? So, as soon as you pass um, Richmond Hill, it was all farmland. Wow! So, so when <laughs> you're when you're rolling up there, and all you all you can see is cow and smelling certain. Wow! So you're just like where where you're doing, and you're playing in your mind. Like, did you piss your father off? Or right. Done you off in the field somewhere? <laughs> you know, you? Uh, yeah. So um, we ended up moving up there, and um, from there, being my sister and I were the only black um, children in the um, in the school. Wow. Um, and we were the only ones in our neighborhood. Um, and then eventually, more ethnicity started coming up. Uh, still, you could count how many how yeah. many black. My children were in school, right? Um, And then, yeah, and then we kind of set roots up there, the Innisfil-Berry area. Um, uh, Played a lot of sports, so I'm kind of, uh, as I was made fun of a bit, I'm the nerd jock. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a good combination, though. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, actually I'll give you a quick story cause I played basketball and baseball and then I went on to college and played basketball while I was there. But at graduation, they, um, they stated what school that you're going to and what program you're going to. Right. And so most people knew me for my athletic ability. They didn't know that I was actually smart. <laughs> so, so when they called out and they said, uh, going to U O I T um, uh, with the University of Ontario um, in Oshawa uh, for mechanical engineering with an automotive specialty. Just everybody who was in there, was like, What? <laughs> what? <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> exactly. Didn't know that he was into all of that. So, right. uh, yeah, so um graduated from um, from high school in Barrie and then ended up going to uh, UIT Durham College. Uh, played basketball there. Um, and then, yeah. Wow. Engineering background, and then now moved on to law enforcement. So big, big difference. Um, but we'll get into that story why I moved yeah. from engineering to law enforcement yeah, because I'm a lot curious. of people don't understand
2: that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, what was, what was that like when you first went up there? And it's I mean Ennisville, and it's just you and your sister in that school and that community. What was that experience like?
1: Um. It was, you know what the thing is is it, I have to I have to give the utmost praise to my parents right believing mm-hmm. um, from being more so uh, in a in a culture that reflect your own coming from Toronto and all that kind of stuff and then coming up there where people openly told you that they've never seen a black person before aside from on right. the news right right um, just knowing that the the way I was brought up is treat everybody the same mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. Even though that you might look at me sideways, I don't know you, so I'm going to give you the opportunity. And if you mess up that opportunity with me, then you've messed it up. I'm not going to come in with any kind of preconceived idea of who you are and what you may feel towards me, right? Um, So moving up there, it it was a lot. Um, Actually, I got suspended three times for um, defending myself. Wow. and, And my parents having to come in and pretty much stand up for me and prove to them that I'm not, I was not the aggressor. So, uh, just to give you a little backstory on that, um, obviously when people have never been around another culture, you know how our hair is, uh, nappy sometimes and when you have an afro yeah. they think that it's like a pillow mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so when they see it for the first time they want to touch your hair and all right. that kind of stuff it was it was that kind of thing and there's this um this guy who's in my class and he you could tell from his the way how he was brought up that black people were a certain way right right and so I'm a very very calm person. So, as we get to know each other off off um, off this afterwards, yeah. you, you'll get to know. I'm, I'm a very very calm person, and that also comes through in, in my profession as well. Mm-hmm. But this guy was just pushing buttons, pushing buttons, and it just so happened he was sitting behind me, and he just kept playing with my hair because I was yeah, at that time it was when. Um, when Allen Iverson came into the NBA and everything Ooh, great for so yes. the braided hair you remember those yes so, so I so I wanted the braids I never I was never interested in going the Dreadway but when um, when Iverson came in I was like okay yeah I can get behind the braids so right. I was growing out my hair and this man was behind me kept playing with my hair and I'm like dude stop stop I just kept Ellen stop and then he started parting my hair and saying how it's like he could make it a bird's nest and all this other business right wow so I got angry <laughs> and turned her it and flipped the desk on him, right? And all the teacher saw was me flip flipping a desk. the desk. Yeah. And then she, she sends me to the office, doesn't ask me anything about what happened. Right. People in the classroom are trying to tell her that, like, he's the other guy's the one who started all of this. And I was being calm and telling him to stop. And the principal, same thing, didn't even ask me nothing And just said, all right, you're, you're suspended for a week. Wow. Had to call. And uh, my mom's in the healthcare, so she's a nurse, right? Um, So she, at that time, she was commuting from Ennettville to Toronto. So she had to be called from work to come up, to come pick me up, right? So she's coming up. And you already know how Island uh, parents stay, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not happy right (laughs) now. Nah, you just ruined my whole
0: day. My check is messed up. Everything is just...
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, what she came up, and then you just see the look on her face, and you're like, ah, you're gonna get it when I get home. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she picked me up, brought me home, asked me the full story, and I told her, and she was like, but what kind of foolishness? I said, yeah. So, the next day, she drives me to school, right? And she says she wants to see the teacher now. Yeah. So, the principal calls her down, um, calls the teacher to the office and asks her, Everything and and then she put her in her put her in her place and then asked the principal what kind of job uh, he's doing. He doesn't even ask what really happened. So right. yeah, so there's, that's one that was one instance. And then there's others, but yeah, that wow. was that was the one that stuck out. Where I was like, okay, this is this was grade um, I would say about grade six or so. Wow. and that was that was right when I was like, okay, I really I could tell that there's a different culture, but the way that the level that they were taking it to, yeah, right. Um, so I just uh, learned how to deal with that, and there's other instances which we'll get into that uh, that really form my um, my want to get into law enforcement and move from from engineering. So it all plays into one another.
0: <laughs> that is that's, that's that's dope. That's a that's a great story right there, and it's funny because I know a lot of people can relate to that when they, especially when they migrate to the country for the first time or a new city a new town right like i i can relate to it because i came to canada when i was about 10 or 11 and same same thing you get thrown into the school system and people don't know so the nicknames come out and you know you start defending yourself for it but you're the one that gets suspended for it because you're the new kid or you're the you're the oddball right so i can definitely relate to that so i did a little bit of digging as much as i could possibly find on you right and I found a wide array of experiences now and, and, and they don't even connect like they, I can't see the relationship. So I'm trying I'm going to get you to try to help me connect the dots here um, yeah. from one field to the, the next. Uh, let's start with. OK, so you were an athlete in high school, then you go to post-secondary. When did you discover that you're interested in in engineering?
1: Um, My background, like my dad, um, when he first came to Canada, um, he came up on the Jamaica forestry program, right? Okay. Um, So he first started off with that, but he's always been mechanically inclined. Mm -hmm. So once he got situated here and and stuff like cars was his thing, like he was good with his hands and all that. So um, he actually went to school uh, through Ryerson to do mechanical engineering. Okay. Um, so, but he never got the, the, I won't say the unfortunate thing because in the way how my family set up, we we're so close. So there's a reason why things happen and why things played out, but, mm-hmm. um, he wasn't able to finish. Uh, my older sister was born and, um uh, obviously responsibility comes into play. Right. Right. So. He did his thing, um, got through I think about half of it, and then went into business for himself, um, Mm. doing machining, and then finally opening up, um, becoming an entrepreneur and opening up his own auto shop and stuff like that, right? So I've been, I was around cars from the time I came out, my mother did much, right? Um, Like to the point that in kindergarten, um, I could stand at a window and I could tell you the exact car that's driving by, the exact model, and the trim level of the car. Yeah. Right. The other day, we were cleaning out the basement and found my report cards from back then and it's actually written down. So there's like documentation of that. Wow. The teacher (laughs) teacher had to ask my mother, what does my dad do for a living? Right, right. Yeah. So, um, so as I was getting older and older, sports was obviously was my main focus, but I was good in math. Mm -hmm. And then, um, it was kind of one of those things because I I really look up to my father. So one of those things that I was like, okay, I have the opportunity now, um, as the second oldest, my oldest sister went to college, but as the boy, I'm the only, um, only son in the family. Mm -hmm. So to carry on the family name, I'm like, all right, there's something, this is something I can do. This is in my power, something I can do. So, um, so going there and doing the engineering, um, and then specializing in automotive, um, that was a huge thing because it was already a passion right and they say um if you have if your passion is your career you're not working right right you're right. you're enjoying what you're doing so that was, that was my my focus so did that um and then at the time when i got out was 08, 08 09. so that was right when the uh, economic collapse happened mm. so the depression in the u s so automotive sector went right down, yeah, and they weren't hiring um uh, engineers um and laborers were getting laid off right. right so all I had under my belt at that point was uh like my co-op placements and stuff like that so i had I had a couple of contacts within the automotive world, but nobody was taking anybody on right and so uh in a way where and this is, I I feel like this was what the media portrayed policing to be at first Mm -hmm. was I'm, so I'm six, three and I'm fifty, Right. So I'm a decent sized person. Right. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are like, you should get into security. You should become a police officer. Like you're already big, you're intimidating. You're all this. Right. Right. Um, and I was like, okay, well I can look into that. Um, I had a lot of community service under my belt, actually won the Lieutenant Governor of Ontario award for um, community service in high school. Oh, wow. Um, so I, I, I've always been for my community and, um, and doing things uh, to help people out and, and uh, elevate, yeah. right? So I was like, okay, I can do that. So I started doing the security thing, right? Building up the resume and, and all of that, and then uh, moving on from there. I, uh, got in with the federal, well, first I got back in, uh, um, automotive and started working for Mercedes-Benz Canada. Okay. And, um, if I could say that was probably the best job at the time mm-hmm. and a personal fleet of vehicles, I was young. You know, I was I was taking the brand new Benzes downtown, you know, nice. all night. <laughs> <laughs> nice. and, you know you know, just set it up and you know, study it showed right. off. you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was nice. And uh, and I was also living in Liberty Village at that time too, oh, wow. great right downtown too. So so I was kinda living the life. Yeah. And then, um, and then I had applied to the federal government for law enforcement maybe I'd say about a year before. I got in with Mercedes, mm. and then it came up, and then uh, had the family discussion. Like, I'm I'm liking life right now. Like, I can take a like. At that point, I had a SLR. Um, oh wow, which is like a half half million dollar car. Yeah. And I, and I, was, I was like, "Do I really want to give this up?" Right. <laughs> and um, again, I, I had like a heart to heart with my with my dad, and I'm like, "Okay, hey, this is what it is." And he's like, "Well, if you get in with the government, you're pretty much set for life, right? Right. So, and you can do some good if you're on that side, especially in the field that you're trying to get into." So right. I was like, "Okay, you know." And so took his advice, um, switched over, joined uh TBSA and was with them for um just under six
0: years. Wow. Um, Sorry and, uh, Be- before you continue, I'm I'm curious, what was that moment like when you went back to your dad to ask him for his opinion on your career decisions? And I'm asking that because a lot of us don't have that opportunity. Right. Right and so I'm I'm curious what that meant to you and what that felt like going through that process
1: being young at the time when he and him talking of course I'm thinking yeah I'm gonna give up all of this to right. go be a public servant like do I really want to right right. Uh, but because I respect him so much and he's he's putting me up on the game right mm-hmm. like you can't you can live for today but at the same time you need to think about what tomorrow may or may not bring, right right And so he said, like he said, like if I work hard enough, like I can have back that car. Right. And it would be in my name. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I can have all the things that I, I wishing for and hoping for, um, if I'm working hard and also understanding that as a public servant, I can also start up a side hustle. So that's what kind of came in with cuff, but we'll get to that. Mm But, um, but even that, like, always looking forward and having that plan and not just, just for today. So, like, like, I, like you said, that not many people have the opportunity, especially, unfortunately, in our culture. Yes. Um, not many people have their father right there. Right. And being able to go straight to them um, to give them, the, like, the real ins of what life is to bring in from their experiences, right?
2: Exactly.
1: Um, so... I would say I take that for granted. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm blessed. I'm blessed to definitely have that. Yeah. Um but yeah, just having that open dialogue with him and him being able to be straight with me and be like, Hey, you're really messing up right now. Like get your head out your yeah. you yeah. yeah. back yeah. <laughs> and, and get back on. Right. Um, so yeah, no, nah, for sure. That that has been the driving force, especially in my decisions that I made and
0: mm-hmm. driving to this point. So yeah. Nice. Nice wow. So you're making, you're making that big move. You get over there. <clears throat> so once he gave you the okay, you know, or, or gave you perspective on what you should do, what did you end up doing? You end up jumping at it and, and saying, okay, let me go ahead and do this. And, and how was that transition? Yeah.
1: So, um, once we, we chopped it up and figured, and I, um, sat down and thought for myself, I uh, gave my, um, my resignation to Mercedes. Mm -hmm. And then within two weeks, I had to go off to Quebec. And then I was in Quebec training at the facility there for five months. Wow. And then graduated from that. And then got sent out to Saskatchewan. (laughs) (laughs) And bro, I say like, you want to talk about culture shock? um, The place that like, it it was, it was, the place that I lived um, is a small town called Valde Marie, Saskatchewan. Okay. Um, if you look that up on, that, on the map, it's near the uh, southwestern border to uh, going into Montana. Wow. And the population, which is generous, according to Google, is 90 <laughs> people. <right>? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So wait 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 yeah, wait this wait, nine zero wait, wait. <laughs>
0: nine zero is that like a plaza like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm confused that's not a
1: town ninety people ninety people um, and that's that's incorp when I got there that's incorporating all the um, the farm farms around and everything so that was ninety people wow um, yeah so uh, th- that that was even more of a culture shock than moving to Ashville initially. So, <laughs> so wait, now I'm, I'm really curious.
0: Okay, so 90 people, do they have a grocery store and what does that look like?
1: So <laughs> so they, they had a um, uh, a town store, right? Um, but everything that was sold in the store, they had to go up to the main city to buy, to come down and sell in, in store. So it was almost like... Um, so back in Jamaica, when you would go to, um, go to town mm-hmm. and pick up, we have to pick up and then come back a street and um, right. sell uh, at the court, right? Mm-hmm. So same same kind of thing, right? But they actually had like a proper um, store set up. So right. um, so it was that um, when I first got there, there was no gas. Wow! Um, so you had to drive an hour and a half
0: to, to go and buy gas, gas, just to yeah. run it out to come back.
1: Yeah. So. um... <laughs> So yeah, so actually, funny story about that because everybody every time I tell this story, people are like, "No, no way, no places like that." But um, the first week when I got out there, so I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna." I was working like crazy because the the port that I lived uh, that I worked at was um, only two people on at a time, mm-hmm. right? And there was the total staff was six people working that port, right? Wow. So we're we're working a lot. Right. So um, when I finally had the day off, I was like, okay, I'm going to go do my grocery shopping. I'm going to go like gas up the car and all that kind of stuff. Right. And this was a Sunday. So I pull out. <laughs> <laughs> so I pull out. My gas tank is like on uh, quarter, just above quarter tank. And the, uh, on the odometer, it's telling me that I have 180 kilometers to empty right? Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of know where this is going. <laughs> so, um, so I go and I'm trying to find trying to find where gas is open because I know to get to the main city where everything is is um, just under 200. Right. Kilometers away from where I live. So there's a couple of these small little towns that are nearby but you have at the time I didn't know this you had to have uh, a card lock so a card lock is you—it's um, attached to your credit card. So you get mm-hmm. an X card, and um, it's attached to your credit card. And you can go to these, um, these out-of-the-way gas uh, set, um, places that are unmanned, and and then get your gas. Well, I didn't have a card lock. Nobody told me about this. <laughs> so, so I go to the closest one that comes up on the GPS, and I go put my credit card in, and it says not authorized. I'm like what the heck is going on? <laughs> so the so now now I've already driven out fifty kilometers out of the gas that I had. Right? Wow! So now I'm like looking again. Where's the next place? Go to the next place now. Go there. Um, and this is this little, this little town. Um, outside of uh, there's a place in in Saskatchewan called Climax, Saskatchewan. So just outside of that, there is actual gas station. So I drive there, no no cars are anywhere to be seen at this gas station. What is going on here? Go to try to open the door. The door is locked. Go to the, go to the thing <laughs> now to try to get gas. I was like, what kind of gas station closes on a Sunday, right? Everything on <laughs> a small town. Everything's yeah. closed. <laughs> yeah. So every small town, come to find out later that every small town in Saskatchewan closes on Sundays, yeah. you have to go to the major centers to get anything that's open on the Sundays. So now, what happens is I have to, so now I'm walking around the town because I'm out of gas. <laughs> 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 and, and people are looking at me like, like people are coming out of their houses and I'm like looking at me because again, like they've never, See, they've never had a, a black person wow. in that area, right? So <laughs> here I'm walking around. And, uh, so this farmer guy comes out and he's like, what are you looking for? Right. Same way. Yeah. Like, stern. Right. And yeah. Like, Damn it. So I have to reach in my back pocket. I take out my badge. I'm like, Hey, I'm one of the new officers out here. I'm showing the guy my badge. I'm like, I'm just trying to get gas. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Oh, Oh yeah. Everything out here closes down on Sunday. I'm like, yeah, nobody told me that. Um, so that he was nice enough, uh, to give me about 20 bucks worth of gas just to get me back. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, that was, and then it made it, the thing was is it just made its way from town to town. The story of this new officer <laughs> that's out here that, that ran out of gas. There's right? only 90 of you, so yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, when I would travel to go to another port. And I would stop at the store or something like that and I'd be in uniform. They're like, Oh that's you. Are you are you the officer that ran out of gas? Right. And I was like, uh oh, <laughs> man, yeah, yeah, that was me. Well and you're the only one
0: of it. color too though, right? So
1: Exactly, <laughs> right? So then now I'm now I'm here and I can't even deny it me. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But wow. the,
1: the thing I will say about Saskatchewan, though, was mm-hmm. um, it was much it was different than my experience with Ennisville, which I was surprised that even though um, being in in that area where there's only ninety people and they have not seen or really interacted with a black person before, they they even and also again with the media portraying us as to be thugs and and try to be gangster or whatever right they actually um gave the opportunity to get to know me Nice. yes and then disprove of what the um what they were led to believe or what was portrayed through music and um Mm. what the news was saying right and and then as the years that's the years went on it was actually fun to live there because everybody again same kind of almost like island mentality where Everybody helped each other. Right. And like people left their doors unlocked and their cars unlocked, which was, I was like, y'all are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But but it was just that, it was just that um, comfortability with everybody knowing that if something was to go wrong in that town, Mm -hmm. you would quickly find out who it was and why it happened. Right. Um, And if there was an outsider coming in, you already knew that their license plate was taken down and whatever it could be. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a different feel out there for sure, but then getting comfortable with it and then getting, uh, building a routine, um, and things to look forward to. Right. Wow. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great story. though.
0: (laughs) That is a great story. Oh man. I love it. Um, so I kept looking into it, and I, and I realized um, on your LinkedIn profile, I, I spotted behavioral interviewing. Yes. Educate me on that. What does that mean?
1: Um, basically, being a human lie detector. Oh. Uh, so I I was fortunate enough to get trained on how to uh, interview people and figure out if they're, or come up with a, a good idea if the person was lying to be or not. Right. Um, especially because since I was with uh, CBSA, I was always dealing with immigration issues and customs issues and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and people making false uh, claims to come into the country um, and all that kind of stuff, right? Oh, so, I'm the type of person who, I don't let things just stay at, at surface. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you tell me something and I feel like, you know what, that's, that doesn't sound right. I'm going to dig on it. Right. right? Um, And I got really good at it without, without the training. Oh. And so when I was finding people making their false claims as far as like refugee status and all that kind of stuff, or them coming in and they're smuggling things in their, in their car and, and what have you, um, I got really, really good at picking up on uh, physical cues and the words like certain words that people would use in their, um, when they're telling you your story. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and they wouldn't even know that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that that was one of the big things that when I went on the training, I learned like the body does not, the, the body does not like to lie. Yes. And so your body will give off certain things and you unconsciously will do certain things to, much out yourself, right? right? So uh, when I went and did that, when I went and did that course, I was like, okay, I noticed that. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. Right. That makes sense. And um, our mutual friend Shelly, uh she was living in Saskatoon, so north of me. Mm-hmm. So on my days off, I would go and visit her and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And I told her I was taking this course uh, through with the RCMP and all that. And as soon as I was done. I I drove up there and I brought the binder and all the stuff that they taught us and I'm like, all right, go ahead, try to lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and I I was kind of showing her certain things and she was like, oh, I noticed that because she was, um, she was running her store at the time. Right. Um, and, and so certain people come in and lie about like ailments or if they were turning something and whatever. So she was picking up on, on certain things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think out of everything that was, that was probably the most, uh, was probably the best training that I received because it was something that I could use in everyday life. Right. Um, not that you want to analyze everything that people say but at certain times in life you know when you're talking to somebody and you're like you know what something does not feel right yeah right yeah and and they use something in a sentence like um, if they're lying about something they, instead of saying have they say it had right. right and they don't notice that but then you start picking up on like oh okay so you're now talking in present tense mm. so you did not get rid of what you're saying that you got rid of right, right? And then you go from there and, and you pick up on those little things that they don't even know that they've given you, right? Um, so that, that's been that's been great. <laughs> that's been great as far as um, every day um, when you're watching certain people and they're talking to you, they, they're chatting one piece of bowl in your ear and you're right. like, okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call you out on this, but later on when it comes <laughs> when it comes back full when it comes back full circle and you think that you got something over on me, I'm gonna right. say you remember when you said this? I yes. you know that you were lying to me. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So
0: wait, are you do you have a partner right now in your life? Like a life partner? Uh, right
1: now? Uh, not right now. No, but I do. Um, I do have a little man. Uh, he's four years old. So um, he, he, uh, um, his mother, and I are still very, very good friends. Okay. But, uh, right now, flying the the solo flex, right? Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm,
0: the reason why I brought that up because I'm curious. Like, if you're dating somebody, how do you turn that off? <laughs> and 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 you know, not overanalyze them.
1: And you know, it, it's hard. It, it really is hard. Um, I'm am like i was saying i'm analytical by nature before even right. the training right right so so when like the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up 3 4 it's like okay i just can't put my finger on what's going on mm-hmm. um now like being in a relationship it, it you have to you have to trust that that person has your best interest at heart right right um and sometimes People people will always show you who they are. Yes, you just have to watch for it when it comes. Right, right. Um, it, it was funny—not um, funny, but when DMX passed, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of a lot of his quotes start coming out. Yes, and I remember I had watched because um, I watched uh, Dream Champs, the podcast mm-hmm. off of uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I remember I watched I watched his original interview. But I didn't, I didn't take in the words that he was saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when, when somebody says something, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But you don't really, you don't really sit on it. Right. And he said something saying that always trust people to be who they are. Uh... They'll always show you who they are. If they like, he's saying like, if a man's a thief, he's a thief. Yeah. they can tell you that he's not a thief. He can tell you that he's not a thief, but. He's a thief, yeah. right? They're gonna show you who they are, but you just have to be ready, yeah. And and to see that, and that was that's the thing with um, I feel like with relationships is take out being um, being trained the way I am.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People will always show yeah. because in 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 the world that we live in today, where everything is um, tech based. Yeah. And quick, whether it be Tinder, Bumble, or whatever whatever uh, dating app is out there, yeah. uh, Instagram, everybody's portraying this false uh, this false picture of who they are, right? Right. But once you get to meet them quickly, that vanishes. So it's up to you. If you're going to decide if you want to have the fake person that you were attracted to, yes, or you want to actually get to know that person, because that because every one of us have a story,
2: Yeah. right,
1: yes, and it's it's dependent on you if you want to learn that story, because that could be the greatest story you've ever heard, or that story there, uh, the way how they are brought up, or their trauma or whatever, can help you through your own trauma, right? So if you want to keep if you, as a man, if you want to be going after that girl who is always showing off in her gym stuff, doing her selfies in the mirror and stuff like that, that she's just doing it for likes and then you get to meet her and she's probably like the most damaged person you've ever met before in your life. Right? Like, like, which one do you want? Do you really Mm. want to get to know her or do you want to just deal with the girl that you saw taking selfies in the mirror? Right. 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 Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that it's, it, it, for me, it is hard to turn it off. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, any person who I'm seeing, they know what, what the background I'm coming from. Right. right? They know what I do. Um, I don't keep it a secret uh, as to what training I have. Right. Um, because, uh, I, like I said, I'm very analytical. So I go very quiet. Mm-hmm. So when I'm quiet, I'm Unfortunately, processing. you're probably being analyzed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm processing <laughs> something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm letting you know upfront. Yeah. So when you're talking, and I'm not, I'm not interrupting you. Yeah. Sorry, it, it's just, it's just yeah. happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not me doing it on purpose. It's just happening. Yeah,
0: you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh my gosh. Wow. Then, then, then I, I spotted also on your profiles, I saw, I spotted a creative entrepreneurship.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Elaborate on that. Wait, wait, is that related to cuffed? Yes. Or or
2: because
0: um, it, it sounded to me like it's a it's a nice theory or or term that can cover a lot of different areas in the entrepreneurship um, landscape. So when 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 I read that, I'm thinking, what does that actually mean? Like, where did you get that from?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of came up with that on my own because uh, when I first got into—like, this is not my first company that I kind of started. I started a youth basketball organization as well, a non-profit organization. Oh, nice! And I was actually the youngest president in Canada of a sports organization at that time. Is it still running? Sorry. Uh yeah. I actually—I'm um, not running it anymore. But a friend of mine—he um, took it over, and now he's running it. What is it? What is it called? Uh, he runs uh, the Simcoe, uh Sonics, South Simcoe Sonics, yeah, and um, he just moved on and opened uh, another program. Forget what the what the beginning of it, but it's the Panthers, and they're run, they run out of Bradford, Ontario. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's definitely doing this thing. Um, he's he's taking what I started and ran with it, and. And a lot of success, a lot of kids are into playing basketball now and learning the the real way of how it's run. And when I say the real way, um, a lot of these organizations, once they get big, they move away from the love of the game, in my opinion. It becomes a business. And it turns into... Yeah, it becomes a business, and you see all the registration fees go up. And it's not a reason; it's not because they got more expensive to play. It's because they're trying to fill their bank account for whatever reason, right? So, yeah. So when I started my thing, it was all for love of the game, and he's and he's followed. He's continued that uh, that mindset, right? Um, But when I got into cuffs with the creative entrepreneurship, a lot of people. What I found. And what I see is a lot of people take the um, the blueprint from somebody else. Yes. And then they say that they're being entrepreneurs, but they're not. Re- to me, and there's no judgment on anybody, but to me, it's not true entrepreneurship. Like, like for you to say that you have a subway, that mm-hmm. you bought a subway. Yes, you are entrepreneur because you. Got the business but Mm -hmm. you didn't start that from the ground up because there's already a playbook right and as long as you run that playbook you by all counts you should be successful at it right right um when i speak of when i say about creative it's thinking outside of the box Mm. right what what does not already exist that should exist right right like what the true like inventors Right. Like inventing your business. That's where I come from. The creative part of it. Got it. Um, and that's, that's the approach that I took with, uh, cuffed with, um, anything that we do within the companies all for social, uh, good social accountability and social good. Right. So once we are profitable and whatever, it's not, it's not a matter of, Oh, I want to be a multimillionaire. And I want a jet and this and that. <laughs> like, um, uh, don't get me wrong; it's all great. That would right. be great to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, But my ultimate goal is anything that um, either myself or my team comes up with. It's it's something that will better our world, right? Um, and if if funds come from it, if money comes from it, great, because that helps everybody live. Right? right? We're not we're not looking at it like okay, we're going to come out here and we're going to charge. 50 bucks a month for a subscription for this and that and and what have you, right? It's like whatever we put out, it's going to make somebody safer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to make the world better. And it's going to bring awareness to certain things that have now been pushed um, to the side because it's not media sexy, right? It's not grabbing the headline. Um, So that's that's what my company is based off of. And that's where the creative, um, the creative part comes um, into play. Wow. So, since we, we jumped into Cuff,
0: I want to continue here and then we'll go back to something else that I want to talk to you about. But where does the interest in technology come from, right? Because I, I know you have the mechanical engineering aspect of it, but how do they even, are they separate completely?
1: No, they, they're they separate, but they're, they still play into each other. Um, so when, with the engineering part of it, the mechanical part, in particular, it's all—it's all having to do with tangible things in hand, right? Right. You're figuring out a, um, how to fix a machine or design some kind of machine, or um, the way how the human body works. You're thinking about the mechanics of that and what have you, right? Got it. Um, but the tech part is—is is really where I started seeing everybody relies on technology. Yes. It's, it's to the point where it's actually pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and a um, perfect example of that was the other, was it last week? No, two weeks ago when Instagram went down. Instagram and Facebook went down. Yeah. And people didn't know what to do with their lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yep. they're like, I'm trying to scroll, but I keep saying won't refresh, can't refresh. Like what? What's going on? You, what's you, going
0: on? You know what's crazy about that incident? I didn't even know it went down until the next day. <laughs> I did not have a clue, and then people are like, "It went down." I'm like it did when? Because I'm at work, I'm doing my thing. I don't look at my phone when I'm at work. So the next day, you you're living your life, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it went down when? Okay.
1: <laughs> but go ahead. I
0: didn't, I didn't realize that. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And see,
1: and even from that, just quickly touching back on entrepreneurship, as soon as that went down the next day, people were printing shirts. Of, I survived the, the shutdown of Facebook. And Instagram, wow. And these shirts were selling out. So again, like it's, it's all like the dependency on technology has gotten to that point. So, yeah. um, when I started noticing that, um, from a law, a law, law enforcement um, view, I was seeing a lot of deficiencies in how we police and how we um, connect to the community. Mm. Um, and so being, like I said, I'm kind of like a jock nerd, I started thinking about, okay, how, how can we help uh, from a technology um, side of it? Because right. if everybody's looking that way, and, um, again, with policing, a lot of people don't trust police, so they don't want to talk to police. And right. so a lot of things go unsolved or it makes it even harder for the job to get done. Um, and we're all human beings. So the frustration from what a police officer may be dealing with in the field with something that should be simple to to take care of right. now that frustration is coming out because of human nature. Right. Um, so that's where it all started out of, of trying to figure out ways from, uh, from a law enforcement and community-based policing um, perspective mm-hmm. of using technology to help. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's where where I first started off with, and then now it's kind of uh, it's snowballing. Right. <laughs> it's right. So yeah. are, are
0: you are, do you write code yourself or do you outsource?
1: So for the actual app, we outsourced, mm-hmm. but the initial um, prototype. I coded. Okay. Um, so I taught myself how to code. <laughs> mm-hmm. So again, the nerd side comes in. Yeah, yeah. Um so I, I built I built the the basis the first time. Um and actually um, in 2018 uh went to Portugal um, oh. so and presented the application idea there and we actually came in second as the top startup to watch. Um, uh, and so the, the conference that we went to was, is called Web Summit. So it's actually the largest, it's the largest tech, um, tech conference in the world. Wow. I saw that. So, yeah, yeah so it's, uh, so companies from all over the world, every corner of the world is there and, um, they're presenting their ideas and stuff like that and, and getting either investors or, um, feedback on if it's something that's actually, something that can be palatable and can actually work Mm -hmm. or you should pivot and work on something else. Right. Um, so luckily we, um, the company was accepted as in the alpha stage, which means that you're just at the idea stage. You have something that kind of works, but it's not ready to go out to the market. Um, so we were in for that, um, presented, got a bunch of great, great feedback, um, media attention when we were there. Um yeah it was it was great and then we got to go to a, a number of different seminars and stuff from some of the top tech people in the world so um Alexis um uh, I can't even pronounce his last name so it, the um the who's uh, married to Serena Williams okay um
0: I'm going to google him I don't know who he is yeah, but I'll google him
1: <laughs> yeah he he uh his name his last name starts with an o Okay. It's right there for me. But, um, and he started uh, Reddit. Oh. And he, he's gone on to start, he has another company um, that's called Initialize. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're a fund that, um, that helps new upcoming ideas come out in the tech space to help the world and stuff like that. So like, he's very, very accomplished. So I got the opportunity to actually, um, sit in on his um, his talk and presentation, and I was just getting gem after gem from him just speaking for that half an hour. Nice. Like, I still have the notebook; it's like ten wow. pages of just notes from his from his um, seminar that we had. Wow! Um, and then uh, we we also sat in a couple crypto um, talks at that time. At that time, Bitcoin hadn't blown up yet.
2: Yeah,
1: um, but it was on its way; like it was on go. Right. Um, and unfortunately, I was not I was not big into that, yeah. <laughs> or else I'd probably be retired. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but the guys that were there and they were talking, um, all the stuff that they're talking about is now coming to light right now. Mm. Um, and I really, really, if I could speak about a regret that I have, yeah. that's probably... Probably that. Yeah. I was so close, so close minded on my own company and trying to get it up and running. Yes. And stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, that, that conference um, was probably the best thing that happened to me. Wow. Um, from the cultures, all the, all the different cultures. And like I was saying, from around the world, everybody's in one place for one, one reason and everybody's getting along. Right. Like everybody's getting along.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Can you, can you walk me through the process of creating an app? I mean, from conception to market, like give me this, the close the notes of how you go about doing that. You have an idea,
1: then what? You have an idea, you tell people about it. And if they tell you that you're crazy, keep going. Then it's a great idea. Um, yeah. It's a great idea. <laughs> um, because um, just before we go into everything, when mm-hmm. you have an idea and someone... And this is what I found, and a lot of people have said this too, in a lot of um, TED talks that I've uh, that I've sat in on or watched. Um, if they're telling you that it's crazy, that's never going to work. That just means the idea is too far out of their scope. Right. Right. But there's a reason why you have that. Right. So, yeah. a perfect example. Uh, not not particularly in talk um, in tech, but mm-hmm. um, the snuggy snuggy uh, blanket. Yes. And now the hoodie, people are like, that's never going to sell. Nobody's going to want that. Right. <laughs> now it's the top. And now it's the top product. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> to be bought. Right. Um, same thing with the weighted blanket. People yes. were like, why would you, why would you want your blanket to weigh, weigh 20 pounds? Right. While you're sleeping. Yeah. Right. That's never going to go. Then you find out that there's actual scientific, um, evidence as to that actually allows you to sleep and so on and so on and, and it builds up from there yeah. so um, so from tech like that was the first thing for me when i came up with the idea um for the first app that i was putting together people were like well police are supposed to do that that's the police's job like okay so yeah yeah. Oh, not yeah, doing it. Never gonna, <laughs> yeah that's never gonna work okay but it does work, right? As an as an actual police officer, I know from behind the the fence that yeah. this is actually needed. Mm-hmm. So okay, now I'm going to keep going, mm-hmm. and then we, and then from there, and then um, then writing out like it started with the idea, posing it out, and then like I said, a lot of people saying that's never going to work. Uh, you should forget about that. You're ready. You're ready. Get. You're already being paid nice. Like you can have a good life. Like right. why are you going to try to pursue this? Like okay. That gives that gives you even more fire yeah right when somebody tells me no you can't do that or you shouldn't do that as long as I'm not gonna end up in jail that's um, it. I'm, like, right, I'm, gonna, it. I'm gonna do it that's it yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so I came up with the idea uh, wrote down all the all of the positives and the negative negatives of it um, then started building a uh, wireframe uh, what I wanted the app to actually do and what I how I wanted it to look. Um, and so put that out on paper and then, uh, wrote out, um, each function of each button, how it's going to work and move from there and, mm. and all of that kind of stuff. And then once I got that, um, then I got Adobe, I built the first prototype, um, just for functionality. I did that on Adobe XD. Okay. So Adobe XD allows you to bring up a phone. Uh, they have a bunch of templates for um, different phones, mm-hmm. um, and then you can pretty much plug and play what you want um, it to look like, the graphics and stuff like that, and uh, you can actually run it in a live setting oh. uh, to see what the what the buttons would do and how how it all runs. Right. So I did that first, and then um, I was like, okay, F and again, I was new to the whole coding thing, so I was like, oh, this this will work, mm-hmm. and I approach some uh, actual app developers and be like, uh, you know that XD is just like uh, just for reviewing, right? Like you can't actually give it to somebody to to use. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> all that time? <laughs> all, all that time? I'm, I'm like super excited. I did it. I did it over like a weekend. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm nice at this, right? Like, oh, right, you know. What I mean? And then uh, I have somebody say like, no, like. That, that's just for viewing. That yeah. doesn't really, that doesn't do anything. Yeah. And I'm telling me that basically people do that and then give that, um, that file to actual app developer and then they try to create what your vision is, right? Got it. And so then I was looking at that and they're telling me how much it's going to cost. I'm like, you know what? Nah, I'm going to do this myself. <laughs> 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 so, uh, I, I'm not trying to drop like, 20 grand for you to for you to do this for me and right. i don't even own the code right? right um that's a little other thing that um for people who are trying to get into app development and stuff like that make sure that you own your code um whether you do if you do outsource it make sure that um, they sign an agreement that whatever is created is yours not property of them um because i've seen i didn't realize that yeah, so a lot of people don't know that, so they'll they'll have an idea. Um, especially with COVID, there's a lot of fitness apps that just came out. People are like, "Oh, I'm going to do that home training, and I'm going to do this and that," and they go to um, either a freelance or an actual corporate um, firm mm-hmm. to get their their app developed. And they get it developed, but in the actual agreement that they sign, it doesn't state that they like the the person who came up with the uh, original idea that they actually own the code. Right. So argument's sake, say this, that app blows up now, right, and it's bringing in millions of, or, millions or even close to billions of dollars since the fitness industry is like a billion-dollar, uh, multi-billion-dollar industry. That company could turn around and say, okay, well, we built this for you, but we see that it's popping off. We're going to make a different version of it and rename it under something else. Now they own it. And now they can put it out and you have, you have nothing to, to do, like sit on wow. aside from standing on your soapbox and complaining how the company <laughs> did you wrong. Right. Yeah. But they're the ones making the money now and you're, you're just sitting there complaining. Um, so a lot of people don't know that that they don't necessarily own the code unless it's written in the contract that you signed with whoever, whatever company that you're dealing right. with. Right. Um, so when I, when I did mine, um, I found that out by talking to some people, um, through LinkedIn and some of the contacts that I made when mm-hmm. I was in, uh, in Portugal. And they're like, as long as you make it, if you make the base code yourself and you hand it off to somebody to finish it and work out the bugs, because being mm-hmm. a new coder, um, uh, make sure whoever you give it to sign an agreement that, right. that is your initial code and they're under, and they're under contract.
2: Mm. Um,
1: to either code it for you or help fix it. Right. right? So, however, however that legal wording is, yeah. to make sure that that's understood. Um, so, yeah, so I, I learned how to code it myself, got it up to the point that I can actually put it on a phone and have um, people use it and just try it out. Yeah. Um, and funny enough, the, the original name of it was called uh, Preemie, right? Preemie. Preemie. Yeah. What? So, so like, for any island person, you know, when they say, you're a me, right? <laughs> you're you're watching me. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So, when I first... That was the initial name, and that was the name of it when I went to Portugal. And people are like, what does that mean? Right. And even the colors were all Jamaican colors. Mm. And so, it became a nice story, and that that started the buzz because there's actual reasoning behind it. Right. Uh, and people were like, oh, that's cool. And then... Of course, any any person from any culture, when they think Jamaican, the first thing that they always say is "Irie" or "Wagwa" right, right. gua, yeah. or whatever. That's the only thing that they can say. Yeah. So, like this, like, this was like that perfect thing to be like "premi." Mm. Wait, and when they say it, "We are fuck. "We are premier," <laughs> <primi> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, it became a cool thing within just being out there that we had people when they would walk by and uh, they would say it, right? Because yeah. we would be out on industry nights. Um, Funny thing about it, uh, Portugal um, for during that conference is they shut down certain parts of the city to allow um, the people who are attending the conference to party. So like the clubs were all for us, uh, the bars were all for us. um, So you you'd be able to network and shake hands with all these other people um, and, and really build your, your personal and business uh, networks through, through that. So that's where people, when we were out and we were drinking with people and stuff like that and talking about our company, that's where when we saw them the next day and they would pass us because, we, again, not many black were there. Right. So they knew who we were. Yeah. They would say, how oh, a premium, we have premium, we are premium. Like, it was cool. Right? Um, so, so yeah, so it was good. Um, but yeah, back to, um, develop yeah yeah you go through the the idea stage work it all out make sure that um I personally say make sure it's crazy enough that not anybody else is gonna say oh I thought about that too you don't want that yeah um and then you work out the kinks from there just from on paper and then draw it out to the wireframe if you can learn to code on your own just or not even not necessarily code it yourself Mm -hmm. but learn the terminology. Yes. Learn what, what, why certain things are, what an API is, what a right. is and all that kind of stuff. So that when you walk into a room and someone's telling you that this or that, or you do have to get um, somebody to develop the application for you, mm-hmm. you know that they're not um, blowing a bunch of smoke up your right. backside. Right. Giving you all this uh, network, all this um, technical jargon yeah. for you to get all caught up. And human nature again. When you don't understand something, a lot of time instead of asking for uh, for it to be clarified, you just nod and say, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." Right. Meanwhile, right. this person is pretty much could be just stealing uh, the company from right underneath you, and you don't even know it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So going from there, learning all of that, and then getting your prototype started, mm. and and getting giving it to people who are not directly connected to you. Yes. And what I mean by that, because if you give it to family because they don't want to uh, discourage you at this point. Right. You now by by that, by this point you spent money, mm-hmm. you spent, you spent your time. You've probably cried a couple of times. Yeah. You probably said, "F this, I'm yeah. not doing this anymore. Yeah. Like they've seen all of that. So they don't want to like crush your dream. Right. right? But if you give it to somebody who you're just acquainted with, they have no personal connection to you, really. Right. So they want to tell you that this thing sucks. Mm-hmm. You can be like, okay, it sucks. Why does it suck? Yes. Now you bring out. Now you take out your notepad and you start taking down everything that they say that what's wrong with it. Yeah. And you go back. And then you go back and fix it because that that person is going to be ultimately your customer. Right. Right. Um, and then once you got that going and you have something that um, you've gone back and you've done the tweets, um, then you you build your your prototype. And then get it out for a soft launch and see what the feedback is, and then get ready and then get yourself ready for uh, if you should even go to the uh, the beta testing stage, which is um, more large scale, um, and piloting it. So right now, uh, for the first app that we have, uh, we're going into beta stage and going to be piloting it um, within uh, small communities first. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my hope is now being out in Alberta because the traffic laws here are a little bit different than Ontario, um, that actually helped this app actually, um, work better for the, the, the reason why it was developed, um, to try to pilot it here in some of the small communities as well. So, um, so that's what my stage is at, but that's, that's usually the progression of how getting your, your application out, um, and just to add, make sure that you're anybody who's studying any kind of tech or app company, make sure that your legals are in order.
0: Yes, yes, that's important, yeah. that's critical. Yeah. So, now I'm curious, cuffed, what does the acronym mean?
1: So, the um, the acronym initially meant Communities United for the Empowerment of District, mm-hmm. um, and I've stepped away from that because now, with a couple of business advisors that I've spoken to and everything, um, they have they have made it clear to me that it sounds more like a, a organization than a company, right? Like a non for profit or whatever kind of company, right? right? And that's not what we are. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what, that's what initially it was, the acronym was. Um, but then I just stuck with the name Cuff because it, and the way how it's spelled because it's unique, right? right? Most people think of the regular way is spelled, which is with two uh, two S. Yeah. But with the one F, it makes it kind of unique and it, it starts a conversation, right? Yeah. Um And that's another thing, especially in business, is if you're coming out, you want to be unique and um, and step away and start that story because you want people to be able to go to. Um, the next person that they talk to and be like, hey, that company, blah blah blah. Um, they have a very unique and fun story, and so on. And then that person takes it on, right? They always right. say you talk to one person. Imagine that you're talking to ten other people while you're talking to that one person, right? right? right. So whatever, and that goes with whatever story you tell. You tell one person one lie. That lie that you told that one person, because people don't close their mouths, is going to make mm-hmm. to next ten, and because of the broken telephone kind of idea, right. that story is now going to be exaggerated and changed yeah. however many amount of times before it comes back to you. Right. So, um, in business, especially when you have that when you have that unique name that any, everybody can recognize and be like, okay, I've heard that company before, um, and it sticks with you,
0: right? Right. right. So for those listening who may not know what cuffed is, what is the app intended to do? What is it designed to do?
1: Um, just socially empower uh, people and hold people socially accountable. Social accountability is, is our main goal with anything that we develop and put out. Um, so that's why we have the, um, the one that we're going to be releasing very soon, um, safe road. So that's for road safety. Um, the other one that we have that, uh, you probably saw on the site the uh, curtains yes. for uh, domestic violence and um, sexual violence. Okay, um, and then the other one construct is for um, to help combat um, homelessness and poverty. Right. Um, so everything that we're kind of putting out right now, and um, whether it be the idea phase or I'm actually executing at this time, is all things that to help those uh, those those social situations that are kind of being pushed to the wayside mm-hmm. that people talk about, but don't actually have solutions for. Right. Right. Like how many times have you heard, uh, cities and towns talk about, Oh, we're trying to combat the homeless situation or the poverty situation. Within. It's like, okay, what are you actually doing? So you can set, you can set up whatever shelter and stuff like that, but that doesn't get people off the road. So, right? So,
0: sorry to cut you, just a sidebar story with, as you mentioned that with the homelessness, this COVID situation really exposed, in my opinion, the city of Toronto in so many ways, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For example, there is a lot of people that couldn't be in the shelters anymore because of overcrowding, right? Families had to obviously get relocated. But then when you talk about the homeless um, community, they were being forced you know, to relocate, but with no real direction and enforcement almost, it's almost like some, some tent, tent cities or whatever you want to call them were actually, um, you know, destroyed with a moment's notice. Yeah. Right. And, and that was interesting because I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, wait, you're moving them from this community to this community. Why? Because this one that you're removing them from is more affluent than this one is that justifying it or or like, what are we doing here? You know, so there's a lot of shifting and relocating people and putting them in, in hotels and things like that. But I thought that was interesting. I mean, it's good that you're putting them in hotels, but what's the end game was really the question that I was trying to figure out what the plan was. And there wasn't one.
1: That's exactly it. It, It's one of those, it's the thing that again, I, I really don't like media. So, yeah. when, we, when we talk, you'll always hear me complain about media, <laughs> um, because it's only one side that is told, right? That's it. Yeah. And and it's told in a way to get people either in fear, yeah, or um, or just for whatever talking point is of that time, right? Mm. So when it comes to homelessness, we're talking about that. There's a lot of reasons why homeless people are or homeless, yeah. right? Whether it be, uh, addiction. And of course, addiction doesn't just come out of nowhere. Right. Right. Um, and that, that point is not, is not talked about nearly enough. Yeah. Uh, um, loss of job. Again, another thing where we're going, where we're dependent on technology. Well, is there any, is there any, um, pro, like true programs put in place for people who are, um, Outdated mm-hmm. to get them up to date on the way of industry, right? Yeah. Like people who are who work in, um, like when GM shut down in Oshawa for that bit, mm-hmm. who were working on working on the line.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: they're used to working; they're used to working with their hands and making almost hundred thousand dollars a year, right? right? And mm-hmm. then you come in and say, "Okay, you're shutting down the plant," well, you shut down the plant, and now they have to figure out other jobs. And then when they come back and reopen the plant, now it's all robots and all this kind of stuff. And those people who were working there before doesn't, don't know how to program Mm. a CNC or a PLC machine and all this kind of stuff. Right. So what do you expect them to do? That's it. Um, so like they can continue to talk about like, oh, well this person is homeless and, and whatever, and it's their own doing, but it's not their own doing. It's there's, there's not programs put in place to help. Um, also as we were talking about before like what i was saying what my dad has taught me all the time is always forward think yes so these people these people and many people today they get comfortable in whatever position that they're in that's it and they think that they're gonna it's gonna last forever like this gravy train is gonna be going not knowing that up the way the the track is bent and you may get if you may get derailed yeah um and Once you get to that point, now you don't have a plan B. You don't have a contingency plan. Yeah. You don't know what to go with, right? And then family members—that's another thing in our society. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to have another call about these things. But, oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> like family members, once they're once they're comfortable in their own thing, it's like, oh well, you know, Jeff or Mike or whoever—they were living their life. I don't need to help them. And it's like, oh, well, kind of do. Yeah, so you you need to at least like bridge them. Yeah, right. And and those are and you see that a lot. Um, but speaking from a law enforcement perspective, um, when you are when we're actually out on the road, and this is where where I come in with like all the community stuff that I try to do and yeah. development, is I actually talk to people. Like uh, I've gotten awards for for the way how I've uh, conducted myself while I'm in the field, right? Mm-hmm. And just by talking to someone, you can get a lot of information. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to pull my taser and point it at you for right. you to comply. Yeah. Right. If I come in, yes, being six, six, three and 250 and whatever, yeah. and then add on the vest and everything else, I, I could probably, <laughs> probably scare the hell out of right? you. But, um, but with that, like, if I'm talking to you and I'm talking calm, just like this, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to get a lot more out of you. First, you're going to tell me to go F off and whatever, but if I'm sticking with it and you now tell me like, Oh, I'm out on the street because I lost my job because I was working for such such company. Wife left me, kids left me, blah, blah, blah. blah." Like, okay, now I can talk to you from a personal level. Never mind police across my chest right now. Right. I'm talking to you as a human. Mm -hmm. Let's figure something out. But we don't do that enough as a, As a whole, not talking about policing, but as a whole, nobody takes the time to actually talk to one another. They much rather go on, as I was talking about Instagram and watch life than actually try to be a part of life. Right. Right. And yeah,
0: it's, it's sad though. That's a great point that you, you made right there. It's very sad because even when you meet somebody at a networking event or anything like that, the first thing they ask you is, Oh, what's your Instagram? I'm, I'm thinking, I just want your phone number so I can actually speak to you. Oh, no, no, you can find me on IG. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, what's the point of me following you on IG if I don't get to speak to you and you want me to text you through IG, not to your phone number? Right. It, it's confusing. DM me. Right, right. Don't <laughs> send me a text. <laughs> <laughs> As if that's not a text.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But again, that's, that's all the that's all the marketing and the media part of it yes. is that it tricks people. Yeah. Where you could exactly what you're talking about. You go to an event and someone's like, "Here, I'll give you my um, my screen name, my IG name, right? At here, at me, at this. Like, right. You know what? Pretty much the same ten digits that I need from you." it's probably less than all the letters i'm going to have to type in exactly. to find you on exactly internet. right <laughs> so and at that time if the internet goes down how am i going to get a hold of you that's it that's it that's it now you got to go and print shirts yeah. now like
0: <laughs> yeah <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh wow what do you what do you most enjoy about? Um, I kind of have an idea where you're gonna go with this this answer, but what do you most enjoy in your career in law enforcement?
1: Finding people finding people's story. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, talking to people. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Like I won't lie, and I don't think any police officer will. will... Deny this, but when you're able to drive like 170 kilometers or sometimes <laughs> 200 kilometers to go some go somewhere, like yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but also think think about why you're driving that fast to get there. Right? right, 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 right. Um, because that person who you're going to deal with, they're at their end. Right. Yeah, Whether yeah. it be they're trying to take their own life or somebody else's life, or they're they're wanting you to do it. Yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, it's fun to drive that fast and, and go to all the priority one calls and all that kind of stuff, but what real good are you doing? It's like for me as police officer, that's what I look at. Like mm-hmm. what good am I doing? I show up there. Am I gonna have to taser you? Right. Do I really wanna put do I really wanna put you through that pain? Right. Do I want to draw my firearm and point it at you? Mm. Like and then have to make that decision within my mind. Like if you go a certain way, I'm going to have to pull this trigger. Like nobody, like nobody wants to take another person's life as far as in the, in our field. Right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it's necessary, mm-hmm. but you, that's not why you're in the job for. Right. right. So like for me, if I can find any which way to help you as a person, so that you, you don't, we don't end up back in this kind of meeting each other this way.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I would like to find that out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, just to give just to give a quick story. Actually, I got an award for um, this guy uh, who was trying to jump off a bridge. Wow! And we shut down the bridge, and I spoke to him for two hours, and I was able to talk him into coming back onto the proper side of the bridge and going into custody with um, OPP. Wow. And doing it willingly, right? Other situations where somebody else who, not to say that other people may not take that time, but mm-hmm. some people may be looking at it like, okay, this is another call, I need to clear from this to go to something else. I don't wanna take this amount of time to stand here with you while you, this sounds. This is gonna sound harsh, but you bitch and complain about how bad your life is. Right. right? But again, like I said, everybody has a story. So, in, in particular, to this guy, um, mm. I talked to I talked to him. He started telling me um, what has happened throughout his life. How he's a good guy, but everybody keeps pushing him into this corner as he's being bad. Um, he actually had some very bad, false allegations made against him, like child molestation oh, um, wow. allegations against him, and they weren't true and they weren't proven. But the problem was, is that it was already out in the, in the community. Right. And, and that's as we're talking about earlier about how community is not really community anymore. is somebody hears a story about you and they run with it. Yeah. Instead of talking to you as a person to find out, is it true? Is there any merit to this? They run with it. And, and it's just, stuck on you no matter what you do you can't get away with it and then yeah. I, I get away from it and that's exactly what happened with this guy you and he even he even wrote i think it was like 20 pages he had a notebook wow and when, when we went off on the thing at the first thing that he handed to me. from from on the other side of the bridge he took it out of his jacket and threw it at me and he's like you read that and when i'm dead make sure everybody make sure everybody knows what was in those pages Wow. And from there, um, that's where, and I thank um, Ontario Police College and RCMP for this, for sure, for allowing me to take this train, the behavioral interviewing. Mm. If I didn't have it, I, I don't think it would have turned out the way it did. But as soon as he said that, that told me that he has a lot to say. And that means that no one has taken the time to listen to what he had to say. Right. And I what. I'm going to make sure that me standing here, he's going to be able to get all that off his chest, right? Because you hear too many times that people die and they have regrets that they didn't get. um, Or people in the family say, I really wish I had this moment to tell such and such. This is what I was thinking or how I felt about them. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this guy his opportunity. Because from here, if I try to lunge at him to grab him, Mm -hmm. two things can happen he's going to go over because he's going to be scared yeah. or I'm going to grab hold of him and his momentum is going to pull me over. So we're both dead. Right. So I'm going to stand here and let him talk. And as soon, as soon as he threw that thing at me, he told me, read it. I said, I'm not going to read it. I'm focused on you.
2: Right.
1: And as soon as I said that, the look on his face was like, what? Yeah. Because he's never heard that before. Right. And the other officer that I was up there with, I handed him the book. Mm-hmm. I said, my partner here. He's gonna read through it, but I'm my main focus is you. Hmm. And I laid out the boundaries. I said, now, I'm not gonna move from my vehicle. You're gonna stay. You're gonna stay there. You and I are gonna talk. And he's like, No. As soon as I turn my head, you're gonna come over here and um, put handcuffs on me. I said, No. Not moving from this spot. And I showed him. I turned around while still kind of looking at him. I showed him where my handcuffs were because it's on the back of my duty belt. Yeah. I said, They're right here. I'm like my hands are gonna go in my vest, which you're not supposed to do. Right. But <laughs> but I held the um the rim of my vest and I said, This is where my hands are gonna be. You're gonna see where my hands are at all times. They're never gonna go to the taser, they're never gonna go to the gun, they're never gonna go to handcuffs, you're not gonna talk. And I laid it out. And as soon as he said that, she started telling me his whole his whole life story, what brought him to this point. And at that point, now we had it was us up there, so this was when I was with CBSA. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was us up there. OPP was now on scene. Uh, USCBP. Uh, so now you have, it, so now this is an international <laughs> event. Yeah. Uh, it was on an international border crossing. Right. Um, so now you have Homeland Security from the U.S. over there. Wow. Um, you had Michigan police that was on their way. Helicopter yeah. was ready to go into the air. Like, it was a whole thing. And I just, I took the two hours. We shut down all traffic in both directions and I, t- I took the full two hours because by that time, I finally got him to come back over. Um, I shared some personal stories of myself, uh, talked about family members in Jamaica that were killed because he was talking about um, people in his family that overdosed and mm-hmm. how he didn't want to see that. So I spoke about my experiences with family being um, murdered yeah. in Jamaica over the smallest thing and, um, based off of just how Jamaica is considered a third world country and all that kind of stuff. Like it's all that. So I went through that. So then we connected on that because I was able to show that I have my own pain and my own traumas and all that kind of stuff. So you're not the only one. Right. So, um, from there, yeah. So popped him down, got him to come over, um, gave him, even gave him a cigarette. Wow! <laughs> okay, calm him down, like, and got him to sit on the ed- on the edge of the uh, bridge on the proper side. Uh, we were able to approach and um, calm him down. Told him, "Like, okay, I am going to put you in handcuffs because for our own safety and yours. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to handcuff you in the front. I'm not going to handcuff you in the back because I don't believe you're a criminal. Right. But this is this is just for your own safety. And by just talking the same way I'm talking to you right now, that was my tone when I talked to him. Wow! So. He was calm. Got over. Last time I heard, he was doing a lot better, uh, and he's back on his right track. But, but that's the thing with um, with our, our, from law enforcement to just general community, we don't take the time mm-hmm. to to talk. Everybody seems to be in this rush. For what reason? You're rushing to your own death. Is as far as I as I see it, yeah. you're rushing to your own death. Yeah. Like why do I why do I need to go 140 on a highway to rush to go to an appointment. Right. No, when I get there, I get there. That's it. Right? That's it. You know, so, uh, yeah.
0: That's that's a beautiful story, man. It's funny. I always think about this and I say it to people that I meet that the human element, you know, the connection with other people is priceless. You cannot replace that with any tech. It doesn't matter what it is. That's the basis of who we are. We need the human connection. So even with the lockdowns and everything else, a lot of people went to, you know, the screens, but what we were longing was the human connection. So the fact that you're able to, you know, take those moments and actually recognize that and save lives, that to me is, you know, is really showing what, what it is that we're supposed to be doing. You know, just, just talking to somebody, you don't know what somebody's going through Um, And I always say this, I I tell people all the time, like, we got to start checking in on even your strong friends, but even family members or or extended friends or or family that you don't speak to on a regular basis, reach out, call and say, hey, what's going on? How how are you doing? That might change their mentality of what they're going through. Exactly. We don't know because, you know, because we're not checking in enough. We're we're doing this on screens and it's not the same. To hear a voice is completely different, you know, Um, so... That's, that's incredible. I don't know how you guys do it. I couldn't do your job. <laughs> 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 I, I can come in with all the protection and talk to somebody maybe, but uh, I, I couldn't. I, I had an opportunity, but I, I declined it to work with TPS actually. And um, I went through the, the psych, all the training and everything. I passed all of that, but the offer was on the table and I said, no, I just couldn't see myself holding or owning a gun. And that was, yeah. that was it for me. That was just, so I commend you guys for it what you do, because it's definitely not an easy, easy job. Yeah. So I got this segment in the show, um, which kind of, you know, leans us towards the end here. Um, it's called thinking out loud. I'm going to ask you the most random question. Okay. You got two options in the question and you got to pick one. All right? All right. Do do not overthink it because I know how your mind is going to try and work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, come back to me in five minutes. So yeah. You- <laughs>
0: all right here it goes would you rather lose all of the money that you've earned this year or lose all the memories you've gained in the last five years
1: money explain because money can always be made but money um is not the end of your existence that's it so if to lose the memories and experiences i've had um, that shaped who I am, that's right? It. Um, memories, whether they be traumatic or great, wonderful, um, stuff like that's all stuff that you can always relay back to to help you throughout your life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So, money can be one thing at the same time, they the way how we grew up, like, all I need is just a tin of uh, corned beef and curdo bread. I'm good. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> and, that's, and that's less than $5. That's you know it. what I mean? Like, and, and when you look at uh, people back home, right, some guys, like, and, and that's one thing I would talk about family too. Um The people who, like, live out countryside. Mm-hmm. Like, they can just get a bag of orange, right? Go pick, um, bag of orange off of a tree, yeah. and go on a roadside and sell it for the day, and they're good. Right, right. You think about here, where every day we wake up and we're like, oh, I have to go work the nine to five or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, when you're doing that, you're you're doing the calculation in your head of how much uh, electricity is going to be, how much gas I got to put in my car. This, 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 and if you really work it out, the money that you're you're stressing over is already done left your hand before you even come here. Right. All right so right. yeah definitely definitely the memories and experience i i would want to keep and the money can go awesome
0: awesome um i appreciate you taking pride in that one there what are what are some of your goals at least one that you haven't fulfilled yet um but it's it's on, you know on your mind constantly that you're trying to fulfill
1: i would really like to open a proper um shelter for abused men, women, and children. Mm. Um, people who are escaping from a life of exploitation. Right. Um, that's, that's definitely something that is a goal that I'm shooting towards. Awesome. Seen, seen too much in human trafficking and stuff like that where people have been taken advantage of and then once they get out, as far as government resources or even resources that are available on the private side, there's nothing that... Um, that caters directly to helping people work through that trauma to get them on the proper path. Um, even just give an example, like, um, just a quick story. I remember I went to, it was a couple of years ago. There was a, uh, this girl and she was caught up in um, trafficking and she was uh, stripping. Mm-hmm. And because the guys got her at such a young age, that's all she knew. Right. And so get her out of the situation, guys get arrested and what have you, and they go to jail. But she has no life skills now. Right.
2: Because
1: that's all she knows. So she goes out and she tries to do like the retail thing. I think she was working at the time Winners. She worked at Winners for maybe about four months. Mm-hmm. But to go from making close to $400, $500 a night to working 1350 or $14 an hour. Right, right doesn't compare.
2: Right.
1: So she was used to one lifestyle and even though that it was, it, uh, dangerous and detrimental to her. Right. Mm-hmm. That's all she knew. So she ended up going back to that world. Right. Wow. Um, now she's good from what I hear, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, just that, just, there's no resources that were out there to help her gain those life skills, of yeah. how to cook for herself, how to do the laundry, uh, Budgeting,
2: yeah,
1: uh, living in living on the minimum, and everything over and above saving that for if you want to call it the rainy day fund or whatever, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's definitely that's something that's a passion project for me that I really hope that one day before I leave this earth, I'll be able to either have it in in the works yeah. or have it actually open and helping. So.
0: Nice, nice. Now, I I saw this quote on your site. Uh, It was actually under your name that I wanted to read back to you. I don't know how long ago you had it on there, but I want to know what it means to you today. It said, um, what you do makes a difference and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make by Jane Goodall. Yeah. What does that mean to you?
1: It's whatever, every day when you wake up, what is your purpose? Is my purpose to work like we were talking about work nine to five and just collect for myself.
2: Yeah.
1: Or am I trying to make a positive impact on this world so that when I leave I left it in a better condition than when I came. Right. So again, that that kind of goes back to why I got into law enforcement and opposed to staying in engineering because if you talk to Shelly, she'll tell you the amount of times that she asked me about why didn't I just stay with engineering? Yeah. 200000 a year. You don't have to worry about nobody hurting you. <laughs> like All these kind of things, right? But from an engineering perspective, yes, I can build something. Yes, I can design something, right? Mm-hmm. But I'd be going from contract to contract, right. right? And I don't get to really help anybody. I'm not helping nobody. Right. And so with that quote, it's exactly that. When, what am I going to leave here with? Mm. Like, how, am I, how if my son now, who has to look up to me, who's four years old, but he wants to be a police officer. I'm not really sure if I really want him to do that. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but if he's going into it with the mindset that I had, of i um, coming over and he wants to help people. Right. Right. Also understanding that he may have to make some diff- difficult choices. Right. Um, if his ultimate goal is to help, then I'm all for it. Mm. But for me personally, is that if I, if tomorrow I do not wake up, I want to know that when somebody is saying my eulogy, they can say Jerome was that person that if I was ever in a problem, I can call on. Wow. If I was cold, if I was cold in the weather, he would take off his jacket and give it to me, which I've literally done. Yeah. But I, I, I want that, um, within myself. Right. Yeah. The other point to that is doing it without wanting recognition for it. There
0: you
1: go. Uh, a lot of people do things. And like I said, back to this whole social media thing, Yeah. Like you have all these people go out there and be like, oh, they're giving 50 bucks to um, mm-hmm. a homeless person and they have to film it. Yeah. And they have to put it on their Facebook and they yeah. have to put it on their Instagram and Snapchat just so that they can get people to be like, oh, that's so nice of you. Mm-hmm. To me, I don't need to do that. Because within myself, if I'm, if I'm comfortable with myself and I'm confident, that's the other thing. Yes. I'm confident with me and if I help that person, I know that I'm helping them. I don't need nobody to know that I'm helping. Yeah. If they if they want to go about it and say, "Hey, yeah, Officer Miller gave me twenty dollars uh, so I can go into Tim Hortons and get some food." Hey, go ahead, and do that. I don't need you. I don't need to take out my personal phone and put it on my personal social media account. Right. Say, hey. I gave such and such person, and that, right? Like, <laughs> In case you don't believe me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't need, I don't need that, right? But there's a lot of people that need that validation, and I, I'm, I'm the type of person who I'm comfortable with myself, and I'm comfortable with my being. That if you want to go chat crap about me, I know there is another twenty people aside from you that would say that no, he's not that way. Yeah, yeah, He's this way. So that's what I mean by if I if I don't wake up tomorrow when somebody stands up at that podium and says Jerome Miller was this, exactly. you're not going to hear a bad story about me. You're not going to hear me being self um, selfish. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's not for me trying to go and again not going out there for someone to say or for me to put that out there, but like, hey, remember I did this so yeah, that when yeah. that day comes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? or, like, or like as the, as the mafia would say, you know, I'm going to do, there's going to be a day. I'm going to call on you on the, for a favor. Right, right. And I, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not on those kind of, uh, on that kind of move. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, that's, that's why that quote for me, I made sure, um, that that's the one I chose. Mm-hmm. Um, just so that when people went to went to our company website, that this is what the mindset of the people who are associated with this company is. Like, if you look at each person's um, quote, they <laughs> chose themselves. Yeah, right. Um, so it, each quote reflects to that person's mindset, uh, and and it's a unified thing when you look at it that all of us, um, like my CTO. Um, he his was I uh, believe Bill Gates, Yes. so like for um, that when technology is working, you should not notice that it's even there yeah right yeah. and that's that's what all of our apps and all of the things that we're coming out with is exactly that. It's only there to help you. You don't need to know that it's there. But right. know that there there's this resource should you need it
0: mm-hmm. right? Wow. Man, you 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 pretty much took out my my last question there, which was beautiful. Um it was how would you want to be remembered? And you kind of did that one for me, so I appreciate that. Now, before we wrap things up, I I've been doing this thing where I'm cheating. Um I'm asking everybody that comes on the show, what is the most recent book they have read? And what is that book for you? Because I'm building my own little library catalog. This this is the fastest way I can build that. Is by getting <laughs> <laughs> other people to tell me what they have so I can go and get it.
1: <laughs> uh, the most recent one has been Elon Musk's uh, biography. Mm. Um, And I finished that in, I think, five days of reading it. That's a really Starting good one, though. It. That's a really good one. Yeah. And the same thing as i was talking about the thinking outside the box and people thinking that you're crazy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, most books that I read are all kind of for the betterment of uh, humanity, mm. right? It is because I don't I don't want to get it. I don't get into the the fiction stuff. Yeah. So like, all right, what what good does that serve me, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's what I said. Like everything, I want to do better for people. Yeah. And whatever, and for the youth that's coming up as well, right? Like my son coming up, I want to make sure that he has those those values that I instill in him, that everything you do is to help people. Yeah.
0: It's funny because even the, the most successful people, when they accumulate all that wealth, what do they do? They end up coming back and saying, okay, I got to give this away. Yeah. Right? Um, a lot of them have to, there's they, one guy, I can't remember his name, but he's one of the wealthiest um, men. And he was in his 70s, but he was um, developing Alzheimer's. And before the Alzheimer's set in, he had in his will that all his money, um, like I think it was 80% of his money was to be donated to, and he had a, a long list of organizations that he wanted to donate it to. And so he set it up that way that Every year, automatically, the funds would go to those organizations until it was zero. And so he checked himself in a in a senior's home while he was doing that. He sold off all his assets. His family obviously got the remaining 20% and, and you know, amongst his kids and whatnot. But the remaining 80, that, that was his plan. You know, a lot of people thought he was crazy and, and something was wrong and whatnot. But he did this way before he even accumulated all that wealth. And so I thought I was very... Very very cool.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's one thing I, I heard just the other day when they're talking about um, generational wealth. And they say your grandfather, I don't know if you heard this, your grandfather walked 10 miles, your dad walked 5, you walked none. Mm. Or you walked 2. Your, your kid is going to walk none. Their child is going to fly. So basically... Uh. Each, each person throughout your life, you're trying to make them have a less, have um, a less uh, turbulent road than Mm -hmm. you, Mm -hmm. but ultimately you have to go through that turbulence to build your own character. Uh... Right. So what kind of, it kind of goes back, like I said, to the social media and stuff like that, right? Everybody's living through what everyone else has accomplished, but nobody's really going out to accomplish their own thing. Right. And then it becomes, and then later on, we're going to see what happens. You have all these, all these kids where, (laughs) well, you're in Toronto too, that you have all these, and I'm going to talk bad about it, and people are probably going to criticize, but you have all these like internet thugs right now, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who. Right now, like, they're up there rapping, whatever, and they live in, like, the richer area of Mississauga or right. Brampton or something like that. Yep. They're not from the block. They didn't grow up like how we would have grown up, and yeah. like, the things that we would have seen. But they're trying to go back to the block to get that street credibility. Right. For what reason? I have no idea. <laughs> And then when they <laughs> But when they actually get um, Hit with some adversity What do they want to do? They want to pop off They want to pull a strap They want to yeah. do all this stuff But when you didn't That's what I mean Like People need to start Looking out for their own community Where they need to be In that world Yeah Right? Like their mom and dads Are like teachers Doctors Own a company Whatever they, Yeah But like, you don't have to be On the block doing this all the crap Exactly But they put themselves In that situation Yeah And then it just It just starts that whole that whole cycle again. That's it, right? And then, as Black people and people of um, Ethnic backgrounds, stuff like that, this whole narrative of that we're thugs or or that's the life that we want to be in continues. Yep. Because it's glorified. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah, um, I have a lot to see. About that <laughs> that, I, I'm definitely gonna
0: get you back because clearly there's a lot we can talk about. I didn't realize so this is this is great this is great oh man were you able to locate that book
1: yeah so the one that um that I read in this is kind of my mother actually made fun of me about it but (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh it's she says more of a feminine book but it doesn't matter uh what the wild um so it's like a it's about a memoir Mm-hmm. About this um, this woman who goes on travels through the Pacific uh, Crest Trail and stuff like that, okay. and how she uh, how she learns to deal with her her mother dies and then she also gets divorced. Oh right? wow! So read that and it just even though my mother likes to say it's a woman's book, it still it still kind of hits because it's life it's life problems, right? The real world the turmoil that everybody goes through the, and like the trail itself is speaking of what is basically speaking about working through that as you're walking through your own journey and your own path. Right. So like that hit, that hit for me. I don't know if it hit for anybody else, but I've been, I've been through some stuff in my life. Mm -hmm. And so when I was reading the book because she had it, she had it in her room and I just saw it and I'm like, all right, I need something to read. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, just got into it that way. Nice. But yeah, definitely, like, I, I feel like um, anything, again, also as we're talking about reading books and stuff, I think that people should always read something that's going to connect with them. Yeah. Right? Like, you. you I think anything that you read, anything you watch, yeah. especially watching, what is it going to bring to your life, right? I think that you should always be constantly learning, always constantly adopt, uh, adapting, because yeah. the world is always adapting. Yeah. So always preparing yourself for that. Don't be left behind as we're talking about uh, the homelessness and not being yeah. um, and those people potentially not being prepared yeah. for for that particular um, part of their life, that chapter of their life, right. So and I, I think I think people should
0: read to with the intention of hoping to progress, not regress, right. Like exactly. some people are just watching shows just for the sake of killing time, numbing themselves. But that's the saddest state to be in. I think it, it's your brain is to be utilized, not to be in a dormant state where it doesn't function because that's, you know, uh, what do you call it? What do they say, futile ground for Alzheimer's and dementia. Right. It's a, It is a muscle. If you don't use it, you will lose it. Exactly. So.
1: Sorry, right, one more other book I wanted to add that oh, perfect. Um, that I've read multiple times. Um, A New Earth. I'm not sure if you heard it uh, or heard of it, but Awakening Your Life's Purpose. No, I've never heard by, of it. Uh, Eck, Eck, uh, Eckhart Toll. Uh, oh, okay. Definitely, definitely uh, suggest that one, and that that one for everything I'm doing now mm-hmm. rings true because of, like I said, like finding your finding what you are going to do. Not for, not for the recognition, right? What are you going to do for your life? Right.
0: Before we wrap things up, can you leave our listeners with a statement to guide them on their journeys?
1: Trust yourself. Mm, like that. Um, that one, that one for me and my, and that's something that my father's always said to me, mm-hmm. uh, trust yourself. Because whatever you feel is right for you is going to be right for you. It doesn't need to be right for nobody else but you. Because at the end of the day, as we see with COVID and when people had to be um, self-isolated to themselves, yeah, you're going to have to live with yourself. That's it. So whatever you decide to do, you have to be okay with within yourself. Yeah. And um, the, the one other quote that he told me is a Bible quote. So I actually have it tattooed on me. No way. <laughs> Yeah, so it's one of those things that any time I'm in the gym or where, especially on shift, yeah, I can just look to my right bicep—it's right there. So nice. All right, so it says, I'm, "Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep amidst the wolves. So be as wise as serpents, as innocent as dove. Right? So he told me that when. I had an incident where this woman tried to actually pull my gun and kill me in an altercation that we were dealing with. And I was angry, wow. like angry. And then I was questioning, like, why am I even doing this job? Like, I was helping her, and here she is trying mm-hmm. to take me out. And he told me that Bible verse, right. and he said, you're going amongst the sheep, the, the sheep, you're one of them. You're a human being. You're a human being. But while you're within, while you're dealing with people, mm-hmm. always be that wolf. But you have to be as intelligent as a serpent, mm-hmm. and you have to be as gentle as a dove, because you have to know when, like when it came back to uh, dealing with that guy who's trying to jump off the bridge. Mm-hmm. I have to be as gentle as the dove, as, as the saying says, right? But I have to be as yeah. smart to be watching everything around me, mm-hmm. right? Right,
0: wow thank you for that that's a, that's a strong point to leave the show right there i want to thank not just my guests but i also want to thank everybody for tuning in for this great episode i enjoyed this one man it was, it was a pleasure meeting you uh it's a pleasure connecting with you and there's more i know there's more and i'm gonna be reaching out <laughs> and, and we're definitely gonna be more than just acquaintances from this now oh man um That brings us to the end of the show, but I want to thank the listeners for tuning in on a regular basis. And I want to thank you for taking the time out uh, and blessing the show with your presence. Uh, Without further ado, love, peace,
2: and nappiness.